Hi, Grow friends. I'm Daniele Flickinger, and you're listening to the Grow Podcast. We're back here today with another awesome episode that we know is not only going to be practical, but also so helpful. We've got two of our own Passion City Church Grove girls sitting down to talk about biblical finances. And one of them even brought her wise husband along. Emily Vogeltans, our friend here at The Grove, sits down with Todd and Susan Peterson to talk about the small but powerful ways we can begin to view our finances so that we lead lives of freedom. They will unpack the beauty of living life free from the worry and anxiety of money, not in the name of building great wealth for themselves, but instead to make their lives available to be givers as scripture instructs us. You will need pen and paper for sure to make sure that you keep such great knowledge and helpful insight. So without any further delay, let's listen in. Hey guys. Hi. Welcome to the Grove Podcast. Um, Today, we're going to dive into a topic that... um, is sensitive to some people, but important to all of us. Yep. We're talking about money. Money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> um, specifically, we want to talk about um, our growth and maturity in light of uh, biblical, our biblical understanding or our theology of finances. Yeah. Um, maybe some people out there don't know that they have a theology of finances, but they do. Sure. Um, just don't know if it's aligned up with what Scripture says is true and good. But I'm so excited. I have Todd and Susan Peterson with me um, today, and y'all have been sweet friends uh, to Bryson and I and have uh, mentored us. You're the kind of people that will pick up the phone anytime we call and walk us through the hard things and the good things. So we have learned. Actually, I remember a story when I was sitting about thinking about sitting down with you guys, a story uh, the very first time we met you guys, um, Bryce and I, we came home, and Bryson said to me, he said, I think Todd and Susan are going to have a huge impact in our life over the next 10 years. Wow. And he said that about 10 years ago, and I can say that's very true. So I'm excited for you to be here because I know who you are as people. I've watched your lives up close. Mm -hmm. And when I think about biblical understanding of our finances, you were two of the first people I think of um, that I would want to learn from and that I have learned from. So let's dive into this. What do you say? Sound all right? Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. It's very humbling and very kind. Thank you. It's good. Well, as believers, we all know, I think we all know and believe that uh, it all belongs to God. Our money belongs to God, right? Psalm 24 says the earth is his and everything in it. So I think a lot of us, we show up at church, we know that's a truth, but that doesn't always... um, it doesn't always look that way, maybe in our budgets or um, in the way that we're living our lives. And so, I want us just to talk about a little bit this idea of stewardship. How do we actually see our finances as part of our worship to God? So, Susan, I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about y'all's story sure. around this, and um, let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about you and Todd, and a little bit about your story. I'd love to. I love that you started with Psalm twenty-four. It's so foundational to everything we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And when we really take it to heart, it reorders everything we believe about our life and finances and the stewardship of all of our life. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I love that verse, those verses. Um, This is a great um, place to start. Todd and I really 
met when we were in very different places with our finances. We both loved the Lord with all our heart, Mm -hmm. and we were all in with Jesus. And I would say we were really, really living our lives for Him. However, my financial situation was a disaster, and Todd had a good handle on his finances. He Mm -hmm. was a good saver. He was wise. He was thoughtful. And um, I was the opposite of that. (laughs) So I was a bit of a disaster. So I really had never been taught how to order my finances um, around the scriptures. I... um, I didn't understand give, save, live. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't giving at all. This is around the time we were in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wasn't saving anything. I was spending everything that came in. For the most part, I was putting myself through college. My parents were for sure a safety net for Mm -hmm. me, but it was made clear that the bulk of that responsibility would be mine. And so everything that came in went out the door and not in a very thoughtful way. So I always felt like I was in debt, and I always felt um, that I wanted to hide that because Mm -hmm. I felt ashamed of that, and it was always a source of stress, and I really didn't know how to change that. And so when I met Todd, and that part of his life was so in order, Mm -hmm. it was so refreshing for me. It was like a safety net. I just wanted to know what he already had figured out (laughs) in some ways. Um, So I'll let him share a little bit about that, but... But I say that because I want everyone to understand we did not always understand how to order our yeah. finances, particularly me. So mm-hmm. I really needed the, the God's word yeah. to direct my thinking. So what would you say about that? I, I think you're very gracious toward me. <laughs> um, I think life's about perspective. And your perspective at the time was that I was super buttoned up, but I probably wasn't <laughs> as buttoned up as I could have been or yeah. needed to be or we ended up, hopefully, by the grace of God being. Um I don't think there was a huge spiritual like mm-hmm. context to me being practically responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been raised to be responsible. I'd been raised to, you know, spend less than you made. Um, if you didn't have it, you couldn't, you know, use it, right? I mean, so don't just throw down plastic to get something you want, you know, have a little delayed gratification yeah. and actually save. And, you know, my dad was a military officer, so that gives some context to my life. Uh, there used to be this thing called layaway, mm-hmm. which meant you actually made payments, you know, to like try to get something eventually that you maybe yeah. couldn't afford today. And and I think that was somewhat positively reinforcing. I was also on a athletic scholarship in college. Mm-hmm. So my parents didn't pay for school, which mm-hmm. meant that they had money they maybe had planned to use to pay for school that they could actually say, oh, you need a little bit of money? Fine. Here it is. And so – Um, I don't think I was like this financial wizard by any stretch, (laughs) but I think by personality, I tend to be a little bit more conservative and um, I'm not a clothes hound Mm -hmm. and so I'm not constantly, you know, buying the new shirt. You're not an anything hound. That's the problem. (laughs) That could be a problem. You're just a a good saver. (laughs) So, but anyway, we were definitely in different places and as we were falling in love, I was thinking, got to get this thing figured out because I knew it could be a tension. It tends to be a tension in relationship, whether it's between a husband and a wife potentially or business partners or, you know, Mm employer-employee. You know, you better have some common ground on how you look at money. Yeah. When did you become a spiritual lens that you looked through when you looked at your finances? It's a great question. Really, in our relationship at the beginning, so we were still in our 20s when Mm -hmm. we realized 
um, pretty quickly, we really want to honor God in mm-hmm. this part of our life. And we had both made some mistakes. Um, and so we really looked to the word for mm-hmm. that. And it started out with the question of how much can we give or where should mm-hmm. we give or why should we give or how should we give? That's where it all started. Yeah. So how much of our income should we give away? This was right after we'd graduated from college. How do we know where to give it? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we know where not to give it? And so that started our journey. Mm-hmm. And from that, we really dug into the word. We listened to some other wise counsel and realized that giving first, saving some, mm-hmm. and then living on the rest was the wisest use of our finances. And so that started pretty quickly for for both of us, I think, don't you think? Yeah. And I think we we kind of went through the school of hard knocks a little bit. I mean, we we ended up seeking counsel because we realized we didn't do it all right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I played pro football when I got drafted. I spent a lot of money. And then we started talking about giving. Right. And then I lost my job. And we thought, oh, how are we going to give? I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't have any income. Maybe we should have given first. And so it changed. It was a paradigm shift in how we looked at things. Instead of spin first, gratify ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, have fun, seize the day, it was more like, wait a sec, we're never going to make another penny again Mm -hmm. before we give first and honor God because it came from him in the first place, Psalm 24. Yeah. Yeah, we like to say we wanted to be generous towards God, but we we were generous towards ourselves first. Yeah. And that was the mistake. Which is what the world is always telling us, right? The yeah. world is constantly telling us, uh, satisfy your own needs, take care of yourself. And we're, I mean, all the commercials, all the ads, all the things, what, keeping up with the Joneses, it's like a constant onboard of we need more yeah. and it, I need it for myself. You kind of breeze past it, but you said three really significant things when it comes to finances is the give, save, and spend. And that might sound elementary to some, but it's actually revolutionary sure if you can wrap your head and heart around those three things. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Like sure. why that order even? That's a great question. I'm going to let Todd start on that one because I think you explain it so beautifully and I'll jump in. Well, I think that once we had our epiphany, mm-hmm. God changed our heart, um, I think what we really began to understand is the gospel is giving. It's generosity. It's inherently generosity. The greatest act of generosity ever is the gospel. Mm-hmm. God gave. And so God's a giver. And Scripture says in Ephesians 5, we're to imitate God. And when we know everything is from him, Psalm 24, Romans 11, these different passages that help us understand that, and that he's given it to us to manage it. It's not ours. We don't own it. We're managers, stewards yeah. is, the, is the word in, you know, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided, okay, wait, well, then that would mean we prioritize differently, right? We, if we're going to look at money as a tool— not something to be worshipped. It's not something to be fearful of. It's a tool. God gives it to us. We're to use it to build his kingdom, to take care of our family, to bless others. Then we're going to give first, and that's going to make sure that we at least, at least get that right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that we've prioritized God first in our lives in all things. The first fruit of our life goes to him. Act is the, worship. Yeah, yeah, it's an act of worship. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yep. No. And I think then the the second thought is, you know, James talks about not presuming on the future. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you may be really 
having it flow in one day, but guess what? Tomorrow it may not be coming. Yeah. And so in order to not presume on the future and to say, well, we're going to do this or that tomorrow and go into this or that city and make money and blah, 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 you say to yourself, okay, what happens if tomorrow isn't a great day? We probably need to have a little bit set aside just to make sure that we can take care of ourselves and take care of other people if something comes up. Not to like hoard it, not to build bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger storehouses, but to be wise and prudent and to understand unexpected expenses come, mm -hmm. opportunities come up. It's Saving is not just about like meeting a crisis. It's also about maximizing and taking advantage of an opportunity. If you don't have any savings, you can't do that. Yeah. And then finally, you spend or you live. So we, over time, got to a place where we kind of, I guess, kind of uh, socialized, at least for us in our marriage and in our family, the idea of give first, save second, spend last, or mm -hmm. give, save, live, give generously, save wisely, live contently. Yeah. And it changed everything for us. And it and it was applicable to how we raised our children. Mm -hmm. We wanted them to look at the, you know, the the little uh, plastic kind of, you know, set of buildings. And the first was the church. The second was the, you know, bank. And the third was the store. Yeah. And we're going to prioritize life that way. Yeah. And it's, it is a paradigm shift for sure. I want to get really practical because if I was like a 20-something-year-old, maybe a newly married or just out of college, and you were sitting across um, a coffee table from somebody asking this question, what would you tell them is wise to have like in an emergency fund or mm -hmm. even the idea of how much do you start giving? I think those are some questions like we hear maybe from a church or from a stage, do mm -hmm. these things. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, what would you – what would the wise counsel be? Mm -hmm. And it may not be for everybody, but mm -hmm. if you were sitting across the table from a 20-something, what would you say? I think typically the first thing we ask is, do you have debt and what kind is it? And um, from that, we can kind of help assess what's mm -hmm. the wise next step. Because I think the first thing, I think we think the first thing and the wisest thing to do is get out of debt as quickly as you can. I think that's scriptural. I think the borrower is slave, borrower is slave to the lender. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Lord wants us to have peace and freedom where our finances are concerned. And there's no peace and freedom when you are covered up in debt. Yeah. So helping someone see the landscape of their debt and help them with a plan to get out of it is mm -hmm. usually step number one if they have it. And then step number two is to start, even if they feel that, you know, and in our 20s, most of us feel like it's kind of tight. So even if it mm -hmm. feels tight, start somewhere. So the giving might be small and the saving might be small, but it's the prioritization of that and it's the practice of mm -hmm. in obedience that helps it become a part of your life. Yeah. So we've even told people, start with $5 if you need to, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you can start with, and then your goals will grow as you grow. Um, ultimately, a tithe is a great place to start in giving, and we believe that the tithe goes to your local church. And outside of that, there are other ways to give. There's lots of places mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people in the world that are building the kingdom and a lot of a lot of places where we love to invest. But but that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And um, how, what would you add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, – I think that there are a lot of people in our country today that, that cannot meet a few hundred dollar emergency in their life. Mm -hmm. They don't yeah. have the cash. They don't have the margin. They don't have the savings to – 
to say, oh gosh, I just blew tires and I need a couple <laughs> new tires. And the first thing they have to do is slap down a credit card. Yeah. And that ends up, like Susan said, the borrower slave to the lender, that ends up just becoming this like really, really, really um, unhealthy and, and kind of uh, self-perpetuating disaster mm -hmm. in the making, right? Yeah. Because you just put debt on top of debt on top of debt. And so I think typically without without it being a, a super specific comment about a certain category mm -hmm. of income and stuff like that, you know, somebody needs a thousand bucks just that they know in an emergency they can go grab mm -hmm. yeah. because it lets them buy a new washer or mm -hmm. it lets them put two tires on their car or mm -hmm. it lets them deal with an unexpected medical expense, mm -hmm. you know, not yeah. a severe one, but mm -hmm. something that they just, they got to have a tooth yeah. pulled and yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, and then we would say you want three to six months living expenses mm -hmm. always available because what happens if you lose your job mm -hmm. and you don't have some sort of good severance package and you need to live for two or three months while you look for a job? Yeah. Well, if you don't have that set aside, then you're going to end up charging everything, mm -hmm. which is going to incur greater debt, which is going to mean your minimum payment goes up, which means you're never going to get out of debt, right? I mean, you just dig this hole that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's the way of the world, right? Yeah. Just keep doing it. Slap mm -hmm. it down. Put the credit card down over and over and over again. And it, it's a it's a really, 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 really downward spiral. Mm -hmm. I will say we get asked a lot, if I'm in debt, should I not give or save while I'm getting out of debt? I think that's a practical yeah, question a and question. a really great question. And what we encourage people to think about is let's try to figure out how to do all of it. So let's work on getting out of debt, but even if that giving is really small and even if mm -hmm. that savings feels really small, yeah. go ahead and start. And we've known um, a young woman even in our church who uh, was putting her tips from her second job just in a jar as her savings. Mm -hmm. And she really didn't think it was much. She didn't pay attention to it. She didn't go back and look at it. And after a year, she had enough to put a down payment on a car, which she desperately needed. Wow. But it was just that constant, felt like pennies at the time, but she was just putting it there, putting it there, putting it there in obedience yeah. and forgetting about it and, and didn't realize, oh, gosh, I've really saved more than I thought I did in the middle of getting out of debt, yeah. trying to live, trying to give. So it's possible. And the great thing about getting out of debt is you are investing. Mm -hmm. You're paying yourself the interest that you would have paid a financial institution that is your creditor. So yeah. if they got 8% or 10% or 15% or 19% interest on your card and you've been paying them interest, you're going to start paying yourself interest basically when you mm -hmm. get out of debt. Yeah. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it it becomes this paralyzing thing when when they're in debt. And I think we have to remind ourselves that, it, A, you don't usually go in debt overnight. And so you're not going to get out of it overnight. That's great. So it is a lot of little steps towards the right direction and being faithful in that, which will also require sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I think even in that sacrifice, that can be some of our worship to God. Like, God, I'm yeah. trusting you with this. I want to be financially free so that I can do whatever it is that you're calling me to do, go wherever you need me to go. Like thinking with that kind of kingdom mindset, I think is really helpful for people. But yeah, it's yeah. overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And God wants us to have peace. I mean, mm -hmm. he wants freedom and peace for us. And it is difficult to have that when you're drowning in debt or when you're fearful around finances. It's very mm -hmm. hard to have peace. Yeah. I think, Emily, you just said something really important. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day and it... <laughs> it you know, it was destroyed a lot quicker than it was built. But I gained a 
pound or two after I quit playing. And a few years out, I'd gained a couple pounds. <laughs> and I felt pretty good about myself. And somebody said, you're gaining about a pound a year. Hmm. And I thought, I'm probably not going to be real happy 20 years from now. And it's reality, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we dig a hole bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, yeah. and you don't snap your fingers and get out of the hole mm -hmm. very often. You have to start doing the right things, and you have to create good habits, yeah. and they those things put you in a position. I say to my kids all the time, one wise choice puts you in a much better position to make a next wise choice. Mm -hmm. But guess what? The opposite is true, too. One poor choice puts you in a really, 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 really uh, predisposed situation where you're likely to make another poor choice. Yeah. And so that's money mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. One way to really help is to put a pen and paper to it, is to mm -hmm. sit down. We really encourage a budget. We really encourage it. If you've never done it before, I would say to the spenders out there like me, it's actually freeing to have a budget. Yeah, it frees sure. me as a spender to know that I have a budget because I know where I can save. And I know, oh, it's not that I can't buy that thing. It's that I'm going to save to buy that thing. And so it just frees me. And I think for Todd as a saver, the budget is freeing to him too because he feels like there's a plan. Mm -hmm. So if you really don't understand where your money is going or how to start these practices – Put a pen to paper, write everything down, and be honest with yourself. Yes. We always tell people, be honest with yourself because you're not, you can't help what you're not honest about. Mm -hmm. So write down every expense. Take the last six months and really analyze it. Take mm -hmm. the time to write it all down, write down all your income, and come up with a budget that works. Yeah. And then stick to it. It is the single most helpful thing that is a practical start tomorrow kind of thing you could do. And the yeah, best way to build financial margin is spend less than you earn. Mm -hmm. Financial challenges are spending issues most of the time, not income issues. And so you get to the bottom of your budget and you see that there's a negative number, change that to a positive number, and six months later, guess what? You've got your emergency fund. And the budget allows you to really see. You may not totally know what you spent on clothes. You might think you know, but until you write it down and you look at it with your own two eyes, you think, Oh, that's what I actually spent on clothes. You'll be very humbled in that moment. Yes. <laughs> so it's just helpful. It helps yeah. you. You're, you're honest with yourself. Yeah. So then you know how to move forward yeah. with good information. I would say for my husband and I, having a budget um, has saved us from so many arguments. Mm. Um, it really, because I'm, I'm not naturally a type A budgeter, but my husband is. And I resisted it early in our marriage. Because um, I'm more of a feeler. Who knows what we might want to need? <laughs> and he's like, no, we got to do it this way. Um, and I really resisted it, but I've found that it gives me so much freedom that Amen. I even have my own, like, little allowance budget. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't speak into that. And so I can freeing. use it. It really is. It brings freedom, not constraint yeah. um, in the ways that I think sometimes we think, oh, budget's scary. And Todd's early it's built job. on the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly truth right. and freedom are very correlated, yeah. right? Yeah. In Todd's early job, he was paid during the football season. So January would roll around. And in his mind, there was no income for six or eight months. And so he would that would be disorienting for him. Mm -hmm. So he would look at me in early January and say, don't spend anything. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean anything. It was, <laughs> it was very orienting. Like, it don't wasn't spend anything <laughs> means nothing. Like, I can't, like, what does no that groceries? mean? No groceries? Yeah. Like, what are we going to, you know, and, but that was his mantra, don't spend anything. So, so that is not helpful. Mm -mm. So the budget is so helpful in that it just, 
brings freedom and yeah. and truth to your spending. So that's yeah. awesome. I know for me and Bryson, early on in our marriage when we were learning how to give, just this idea of our giving doesn't have to always stay stagnant either. That uh, Todd, you said this earlier, just that as we grow, as our giving can grow as well, our goals will grow. And this idea of progressive um, increased giving over time, that you don't have to stay at 10%. Maybe I was, we were meeting these people that were older and wiser than us, and they were giving away like 30%, 40% of their income. Um, and that like really like challenged the way we th- we saw giving. Like I always just thought it was you you get to ten percent and you stop there, but there's this uh, whole opportunity to give above and beyond and continue to grow in that and watch God do some neat things in your own life as you trust Him with your finances. Talk to talk about that. Is that something you guys have experienced or yeah um, yeah share about that and how you've seen God work in your life as you've trusted Him with your giving. Absolutely. Well, the truth is when we order our finances biblically, then we do start to grow a nest egg. So we those savings will start to pay off and we'll see them grow and grow and grow. But our savings for us are not for us only. It's not mm-hmm. to build bigger barns, right? We're not trying to amass great wealth for ourselves. So what happens when those savings start to really grow? Well, there are two reasons for savings, for emergencies, like Todd mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and for opportunities. And oftentimes those opportunities are forgiving. Sometimes it's for investing. But if we really look at the landscape of the world today, we will see there's plenty of opportunities for giving. So mm-hmm. our giving can increase, which is so mm-hmm. exciting because we've amassed enough savings that our family is okay. We know we can take care of our emergencies. We know we can care for our family and for the future. Now we can really grow our giving. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea of that percentage mm. increase is so exciting because how fun to know yeah. that you can bump your giving to 30 or 40% because you're able to. Mm-hmm. And so the impact you can have in the world is greater. It's so exciting. And so it's been really a fun journey for us every year to try to challenge ourselves on that percentage giving and trust the Lord. Yeah, There aren't many things in Scripture, or maybe there is only one thing in Scripture that God says, test me in this. This is the one thing he says, test me in this mm-hmm. and let me prove to you that I will not yeah. only meet your needs, but but you will abound in the grace of giving mm-hmm. and how fun and how much joy it brings is really one of the greatest stories it, of our lives. And it's like exercise, like you're, you're, you don't want to get stagnant. You're going to keep adding weight to, to what you're lifting so you get stronger and stronger. Yeah. So even it was taught to us practically, like every time you get a raise or a bump in your salary that you could give a quarter percent more or half a percent more. Mm-hmm. Just increase your giving little by little as you go, and then you will, that compounding interest. It'll amass over time of like, oh, my goodness. Well, so. I think I think that notion of testing God, you can't outgive God. Mm-hmm. You hear people say that, and until you experience it, you don't necessarily believe it. But mm-hmm. when you actually test God and you see you can't outgive him, you're like, oh, wow. And, you know, Philippians 4 is a really amazing passage of Scripture as it relates to this because the Scripture says that God supplies all our needs according to His glorious resources in Christ, glorious riches in Christ, different Mm -hmm. translation. And what I have come to learn, what we have come to learn is that um, in order for God to meet your need, you have to have a need. Mm -hmm. And for us, the way to have needs is to give generously. 
otherwise we're just going to mm, meet our own well. needs, right? We, yeah. we, we God has blessed us and we've applied these biblical principles to how we look at finances. Like Susan said, that does pay off. Mm-hmm. When you apply biblical principles to your life, guess what? Your life mm-hmm. looks different than when you don't. Yeah. And all of a sudden, financially, you benefit from applying these biblical principles. And if you're not giving generously, then you think you just meet your own needs. But yeah. when you give generously, you actually put yourself in a position where you can't necessarily meet all your needs. And then you have this amazing good father who proves himself faithful and true and meets your needs because mm-hmm. that's what the scripture says. He supplies all our needs. And I think the other thing that I, I'm thinking about is, as y'all are talking is you know, as your income goes up, don't let your lifestyle creep. Mm-hmm. If you want to give more, the best way in the world to give more is manage your expenses. Because as your income goes up, if your lifestyle creeps, guess what? You're not going to have more money to give. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so for us over time, that was probably the most practical advice we were given. Early in my career, mm-hmm. when I was, I was certainly making a lot of money relatively, but it was not a lot of money for a, a pro athlete – we decided here's here's how we're going to live. Mm-hmm. It's going to be way more than enough to be comfortable. And let's remind ourselves that in America, hmm. pretty much everybody's comfortable. Yeah. There are definitely some people who are going through hard things, no doubt about it. But in America, we've got 5% of the world population and 50% of the world wealth. So most of us are really comfortable. Yeah. So we're going to pick a lifestyle that's going to be great. It's going to be fine. But then as your income goes up, and in my case, it went up exponentially over the years, numerous times, we had to say, we're okay. Mm -hmm. We don't need to have our lifestyle creep. We don't need to get more stuff because the scripture, Matthew says, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And so we want our eternal account Mm -hmm. to be our biggest account. Yeah. I love what you said about um, just the fact that, like, spiritually, as you're trusting God for whatever it is that you're needing, as you're giving away your your wealth, as all of that, it's actually increasing your faith. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes more testimony to who God is and what he's done in your life. And you're missing out on that when you hold it all and, um, and don't give it, don't release it back to him. Is there, like, a faith—tell me a faith story in your, your journey— where you've seen God do that. Oh gosh, without a doubt. In the middle of Todd's career, he got hurt and we were released from the team we were playing for. And at the time we were building, we were renovating a house in Atlanta. We were essentially moving our family back home to Atlanta from years of living away. And in the middle of that, we thought, oh gosh, now what? We thought maybe we'll just finish this house and sell it because we didn't know if he'd ever play Mm -hmm. again. We didn't know what our future was going to look like. And in the middle of all that, we were asked to um, come to a dinner um, for our church at the time before Passion City was Passion City Church. And we were challenged to give to help the church grow. And we sat in that dinner that night, and we really weren't talking to each other, but we were praying Mm -hmm. and asking the Lord. And we both came up with a number that was pretty ridiculous. It was the same number. A lot of people have the story. This is the only time it's ever happened to us this way. Mm -hmm. We had the same number. It was a ridiculous number. It didn't make any sense when Todd had no income, and we were uncertain, and we were trying to finish this house. But we knew it was from the Lord because of how it all happened that night. And so we decided to go ahead and trust the Lord and give it. And it was really challenging for Mm -hmm. me really challenging. 
And of course, the Lord more than met our needs after that. And we don't give to get. That's not the point. But it's a beautiful marker for us that we didn't know the future. We weren't sure. But we did have some money saved. We did. And we could, if we were willing to be generous and willing to put ourselves second, we could do it. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And it was such a beautiful reminder. To this day, it's still the story we tell, and it's about 15 or more years old, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's the jump in really progressive giving kind of when Mm -hmm. you think about maturing is getting to a place where you give out a net worth. Yeah. It's not just income oriented or income driven. So we didn't have income, right? Yes. Maybe we had some ancillary income from invest investments and stuff, but all of a sudden the salary has gone. Yeah. And yet we're asked to participate in the most significant way financially we'd ever been Mm -hmm. asked to participate in giving. And, um, I think the biblical principle there for us that that was the foundation to our decision was the Scripture says, give as you've been given to. Mm-hmm. God had already given to us. So it didn't matter that he wasn't, you know, giving to us right in that moment in, yeah. a, in a practical sense, right? He had abundantly provided for mm-hmm. us. So we could give because we give as we've been given to. That's New Testament giving, right? And it changed everything for us. And since that point in time, we haven't looked at our giving in the context of what is our income. We've looked at our giving in the context of look at all God has given us. It's Mm -hmm. all from him, all of it. Mm -hmm. Lord, what do you want us to do with it today? Yeah. And it changes everything. Yeah, it really does. I think in, in our life as well, Just having this like Rolodex of memories in in our story of Mm -hmm. little moments, not even being able to give a lot, but trusting God with it and going Mm -hmm. out on that limb and watching him come through. It is like bolstered my faith. And it gets me so excited to talk about that because I want other people to experience that. I want them to experience the goodness of God in their life and to know that he is faithful, that he's going to provide. He's a good father. He's going to take care of us. And no, you're not. We're not all going to be millionaires and have abundance. That's not the point. The point is that our God's going to take care of us. Um, and wherever He wants you us are. to experience the joy, yes, of giving. And you yeah, don't get that if you lies. don't do it. Yeah. So. I think there is this lie. Um, I know there's this lie, um, specifically in America. But just if uh, if we just had a little bit more, <laughs> I remember early in our marriage um, that would always come up. Well. The next job, when we just have a little bit more, when we just have a little bit, it's this carrot that you never actually reach. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that a little bit, just the the always, uh, mm-hmm. maybe just what culture is constantly telling us about money and how that goes against mm-hmm. what's true about what God says. Well, the scriptures say the angel masquerades, or the enemy masquerades as the angel of light. And and I think the enemy knows he's not going to make us all bad. He can't mm-hmm. do that, but he can definitely confuse us. Mm-hmm. He can definitely deceive make the wind mm-hmm. deceive us. And the winds of our culture certainly blow the opposite of scripture, yeah. don't yeah. they? And so he wants us to believe that that's where abundant life is, mm-hmm. that the more we can get, the more we can amass for ourselves. Surely that's abundant life. And I think it's a lie. And I, I could tell you story after story after story of of people we know who are truly abundantly wealthy, mm-hmm. um, who are burdened by that wealth. And that's yeah. that's true. That is not me just yeah. telling a story. Burdened. I even had a woman say to me, she called their money heavy blessings. Hmm. And I thought, well, there's a way to lighten that. There's a way to lighten that weight. <laughs> Give it right? away. It's a, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a really easy way to lighten it. And so I just I just 
we certainly have been, or I'll, I'll speak for myself, I've certainly let the world deceive me. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the, the wiser or the more clearly I see it. Abundant life doesn't come from this world in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And if I need to shut off Instagram to teach myself that, or if I need to quit watching commercials to teach myself mm-hmm. that, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Or I will have conversations mm-hmm. like this with a trusted friend mm-hmm. to remind myself that abundant life comes from Jesus. Yeah. And then I will test him in that mm-hmm. and let him show me where real, true, abundant life comes from and that he is my good father. So yeah. you're right. It's a, it's, it can be a fight. Mm-hmm. It can be. Yeah, I think that's right out of the scripture. I mean, the abundance of life is not found in our possessions. Yeah. It's literally what the scripture says. Yeah. And I think about how, you know, there's this temptation and this gravita- gravitational pull to, um, you know, in a sense, gain the world. Well, mm-hmm. right in the scripture, it says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? And and so I think God has given us all the tools we need mm-hmm. to make wise choices. We just tend not to make wise choices. We tend to make temporal mm-hmm. choices. And yet the scripture tells us never trade away, never trade away yeah. what is eternal for what is temporal mm-hmm. because it's fleeting. Yeah. Life mm-hmm. is a vapor. It's going to mm-hmm. come and vanish away. And you know, I think probably the most compelling thing for us in the last couple of years has been the notion that we spend a lot of our lives, and and we saw this so much in the industry that we were in earlier in our lives, we spend a lot of our lives trying to like retrench and kind of build this barrier around our life to keep mm-hmm. everything bad out <laughs> and to be able to manage and solve for anything that comes at us that isn't ideal circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're trying to build like an impenetrable fortress. Mm. And yet the scripture says over and over and over again, God wants to be our fortress. He wants to be our refuge. He wants to be our strength, our strong mm-hmm. tower. He'll supply our needs. And so from that, I think we've gotten to this place where we realize we're supposed to be really open-handed, mm-hmm. hold things really loosely, understand like Psalm 24 says, it's all from him. Mm-hmm. Lord, lead us. We're humble before you. Give us wisdom to know how to manage your resources to build your kingdom. Yeah. And then it's not a heavy blessing mm-hmm. or a burden. Mm-hmm. It's actually a joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not something to be scared of or to fear or yeah. wherever you are on the spectrum of yeah. finances. Um, Todd, one last question for you. Um, I'm thinking about like the type A achievers out there, not saying you're one of those, but, um, (laughs) maybe that's your type a little bit. Um, what is the end goal to like, uh, biblical understanding of finances and how you're living your life? What would you say? What is it that God wants from you or for you in terms of your, our finances? Wow. That's a huge question. I mean, um, you know, I think that uh, I think the Lord wants us to enjoy Him uh, and live our lives to give Him great glory. Um, I think that money's a tool, and when we look at it for what it is, it's a great way for us to enjoy Him and to give Him great glory. And you know what the enemy wants to do is twist the truth. Like Susan said earlier, he can't make us all bad. He's not going to make us all leave the church. He's not going to make us all hate God. He's not, but he is going to do everything he can to deceive and accuse and to lie to us and just twist the truth. Mm-hmm. Change one word. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really applicable here. Mm-hmm. How many times have we heard somebody say, well, money's the root of all evil? That's not the truth. The truth is that the love of money, the worship of money, idolizing money is the root of all evil. And I think God wants us free from that. Mm -hmm. I think that's the end game is God wants us free Mm -hmm. because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And he Mm -hmm. wants us to make us more like Jesus, conform us to his image, and then he wants us to go out and shine like stars in the universe. And money just happens to be one of the arrows he puts in our quiver to do that. Yeah. I love that. That's a great Mm -hmm. answer. Awesome. Susan, I would love for you to pray for us. Yeah. Pray us out, specifically thinking about the people that are listening that are burdened right now with kind of the debt or the fear or the frustration of money and also those that feel like they're doing pretty good, but um, that their hearts would be pressed to keep following God and following Him wherever He leads them and however. I'd love to do that. I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm 24 and pray. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lord, we honor you as the one who owns it all. You are the creator God. And you are the ultimate giver. And you have given us all that we need for life and godliness, Lord. We trust you. We're believing you for every single part of our lives. Thank you that you are trustworthy, that we can believe you to be our good, good Father. I pray for everyone listening, Lord, that if if they are in a place of fear and frustration, that you would bring truth and wisdom from your word. If they're in a place of abundance, that you would bring conviction and joy in giving, Lord. Meet us where we are. Um, show us where true freedom and life belong. And I pray that we would trust in you every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what amazing truth. Seeing your finances as a place to continue to trust God is such a necessary foundation in our lives. Following God's leadership in this area and sacrificing our earthly desires to live open-handed is such an offering on the table for all of us. Thank you, Todd and Susan, for not only living this out, but for your example to those in your path. And to hear even more from Todd and Susan, make sure you register for our Passion City Church Core Course Biblical Finances. Core Courses are a free resource available to anyone who wants to become more spiritually mature and equipped by understanding the foundations of our faith in the Word of God. These courses are offered both online and in person. So visit us at passioncitychurch.com forward slash Atlanta forward slash core. And to remain connected with us here at The Grove, follow us on Instagram at PCC underscore The Grove. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. And we pray that this episode was truly encouraging to you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you here next time on The Grove Podcast.